Welcome to the Bulletproof Veteran Podcast. Thank you for your service. Happy New Year, everybody. Welcome back to Bulletproof Veteran Podcast 2021. This is our first episode. Really looking forward to the guest that we got for you today. Um, we got Cliff from Decisive Aim. Going to talk all things training, getting prepared, making sure your home is safe, family's safe, community is safe. We're also just going to talk about what it means to be a community member and the responsibilities that go along with that. So uh, I really think you're going to enjoy it. Chris, a great guy, former infantry officer. He's going to tell you all about himself. So uh, lots of great things going to happen with that. Um, if, besides that, you know, we got a lot that's going to happen this year. little bit of foreshadowing for you. Uh, first off, we are going to be redesigning the studio. Right now, if you are watching the video, uh, you will notice that there is a green screen in the background. We used it for the Christmas episode. Um, that's what I got going on right now. Uh, we are in the process of actually building this studio. We're going to be building a new set. We're going to be building new backgrounds, all that kind of stuff. I'm going to take you along that adventure because I love woodworking. I come from a uh, construction background. My father owned a construction company, like I've mentioned before. and I want you to see how we do this and cause some of the things that we're doing kind of for the first time. And, uh, you know, we're going to have some fun with it. So there'll be some stuff uh, on the blog, at the website, bulletproofveteran.com. You can follow along with the construction. We'll talk about it a little bit during the show from time to time so you can see as we move along. Um, you know, I have a full-time job, so it might take some time. But Dad's retired, and I'm going to put his ass to work. Uh Besides that, we also are going to be sponsoring some races this year. Um, really very excited that we're going to be working with the Stronghold Freedom Foundation again. Details to come on probably two more races uh, that we're going to be co-sponsoring with them. Still hashing everything out, but I, I'm really excited that I get to work with them again especially on the back of the NDAA being um, passed by Congress. Uzbekistan was now listed and K2 is now listed as a place that the VA kind of has to recognize. It's not fully there yet, but now they got to kind of look at us and do some studies and screening and things like that. So they are having massive success and I'm just thrilled to be able to support them some more and help raise awareness and also some funds because they're doing stuff with scholarships and, and all sorts of things over there. So very excited about that. Uh, we are also going to be doing our own standalone race. I'm nailing down a sponsor right now. I think I have it all set up. I don't want to announce it yet just in case something changes. But we're looking at the end of February, beginning of March time frame. Uh, really looking forward to doing my own race. And I'm going to try to make it fun. So there'll probably be a little bit of an element to it, whether it's jumping in the water at the end of the race and taking pictures. Um, you know, maybe it's a costume that you have to wear or something like that, just to make it a little fun and different from maybe other 5Ks that are out there. Um, like I said, details to come on that. But I really think you guys are going to enjoy it. And if I nail down the sponsor or the, you know, the foundation that we want to donate to, I think you're going to be happy to support a, uh, an organization doing great things for veterans, uh, which is what we always strive for. Yes, we do. So um, that is to come. Uh, besides that, we are just going to have guest after guest after guest giving you guys great information every single week. Um, that is really what I'm looking forward to. I already have a calendar that's building out through all of January with just awesome 
guests, including Cliff, who's coming on today. Um, so I, I can't say enough about these people who come on and talk to me. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm honored half the time when I get to talk to them where I'm almost just sitting there listening to them and I'm, I'm kind of speechless that I get to talk to these great people. Uh, you know, but if you know me, that speechless goes away real quick and I start talking again because I can't shut the hell up. Um, but you know, that's what I get, uh, the big bucks for or lack thereof big bucks. Um, again, you can always find us on Instagram, at Bulletproof Veteran. You can find us on Facebook, Bulletproof Veteran Podcast. You can go over to our Twitter, which is uh, Bulletproof Bulletproof underscore Vet. Uh, you can find us on Rumble, YouTube. Uh, the Christmas special, the holiday special, is up on both Rumble and YouTube if you want to see the video of pinups for vets, which those women just knocked it out of the park. They were awesome. I really enjoyed having them on. Uh, so... Take a look. If you actually want to see their faces, you can go over to the Bulletproof Veteran podcast, YouTube, and Rumble pages and actually watch that video. Uh, From now on, I'm hoping, as long as I don't have any technical difficulties, that each interview will actually be up on uh, YouTube and Rumble uh, so that you can actually see my ugly mug and the good-looking people that I interview. So I think that's about it. I think that's everything. I think we're ready to get into this week's episode. Uh, again, super excited to talk to Cliff. So uh, without any more delay, here we go with this week's interview. All right, everybody. Welcome back to Bulletproof Veteran Podcast. It is a new year. All right. 2020 is behind us. Thank God. For many of us, it was not that much fun, but uh, we made it through. Uh, and man, am I excited because to start the year off, I wanted to have a real good guest on, give you guys some great information, and I think I did that. So I want to welcome Cliff Payne from Decisive Aim. He also has another uh, company that deals more with business, which is the Trinity Group. Decisive Aim is is uh, his training, firearms, preparedness, uh, you know, branch, and we're just excited to hear everything about this. So, Cliff, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Awesome, man. Um, so, as we usually do on the show, I'd like to hear a little bit about yourself because when we talk to people that started their own businesses or own ventures or you know. Uh, foundations or whatever they might have done, I love to hear about the person behind it and where they kind of came from, because I think that's the foundation of everything we do is kind of where we came from. So please let us know a little bit about yourself. All right. Excellent. So uh, again, thank you very much for uh, providing this platform and opportunity. You know, anything that uh, we're doing in life, uh, we should be intentional and uh, we're protecting those around us and still continuing to serve our veteran communities you know, maximizing opportunities such as this is important. So thank you for providing it. And uh, certainly thank you for having me on. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to back all the way up. Um, you know, I would say the, um, I guess, focusing on the the veteran aspect here, um, you know, my pursuit, um, you know, as an infantry man and then as an infantry officer later in life really started um, early on. You know, I am uh fourth generation infantry officer. And, um, you know, I was raised to appreciate, you know, our national values and uh, appreciate liberty and freedom. And, uh, you know, so with that uh, kind of upbringing, it was just kind of a natural course for me. Um, You know, growing up in uh, Florida, I went to a, um, 
um, particular school and uh, uh, this school, uh, I was uh, I was the minority. And uh, I just remember going to school every single day and uh, um, finding myself in either fighting situations or, you know, kind of getting picked on. And mm -hmm. uh, uh, so I learned really early on that, uh, you know, your individual freedom and liberty is going to be fought for every single day. And uh, so I, I would say that kind of really started to build this uh, ideology of, you know, your own preservation is dictated on your ability to defend it. Of course. Um, so fast forwarding in time, 9-11, uh, of course, uh, like many others, really inspired me, uh, put a fire in my belly that I could not, um, you know, really put out. Um, I remember sitting in a classroom watching the second tower hit. And uh, for me, it was it was game on, you mm -hmm. know, regardless of the direction I went, I knew that, uh, you know, I, I wanted to be a part of the solution and, um, you know, really wanted to bring justice, uh, you know, to the American life snuffed out that day. Um, so that uh, inspired me to uh, join the U.S. Army, um, served as a infantryman, um, really forced me to grow up. You know, I, uh, I, I look at uh, the national treasure of uh, America, and that really is our, our citizens. And uh, I look at the, uh, the youth. Uh, that was uh, really taken away, you know, from uh, many, 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 many people in the life snuffed out, you know, our true American heroes and uh, um, found myself really at a unique situation where I, uh, I wanted to, uh, to transition out and um, focus on, you know, myself. Um, hindsight, looking back, you know, I would say at that point, I was definitely going through, um, you know, a bout of uh, depression, you know, call it PTS, uh, mm -hmm. whatever you like. Um, you know, but I didn't identify it really at that point in time. And, you know, one of the major factors for me struggling so much after getting out and, you know, I got out and um, was really blessed uh, to be picked up um, by a Fortune 10 company through a leader development program. And uh, even with that, um, I was really missing a, a sense of purpose and, uh, you know, really struggled with that for many years. But that's almost the genesis of, um, you know, decisive aim, even uh, predating uh, the Trinity group, which we also uh, manage and that I chair. Um, so uh, being out of uh, the army at that point in time, uh, I had joined the uh, National Guard, uh, went through the uh, uh, commissioning process. You know, I, uh, I was asked once, you know, why would you, uh, you know, why, why would you want to be an officer? And I said, well, I saw a lot of examples of what wrong looked like. And, uh, you know, if I had the opportunity to deploy again, you know, with uh, infantrymen, I wanted to uh, provide an example of what right looked like. Good leadership, solid leadership, mm -hmm. bad leadership, you know, causes people to lose their lives. So, um, so earned a commission uh, in the uh, National Guard at that point in time, was still working for a, a Fortune 10 company. Um, really, again, struggling with the uh, sense of purpose and um, trying to figure it all out. You know, how can I, um, you know, maximize this gift that had been given to me? And at that point, that was life, you know, and in uh, our freedoms and uh, really live a life that was worth the sacrifices of those uh, that didn't come back home. And, um, Transition a bit, uh, moved through uh, a couple different companies, uh, executive leadership roles, um, was probably uh, promoted into roles that I wasn't necessarily ready for, 
uh, from a, a business uh, acumen uh, perspective or even just general experience. But, uh, you know, I brought two specific qualities to every role, and uh, that was the inability to accept my own limitations. And, uh, and I think that's what probably catapulted me to uh, a few uh, stretch roles. And, uh, you know, the other was, um, you know, the ability to bring people together, kind of rally everyone around a common cause, whether that was a um, agreeing to a divestment or even, um, you know, rallying around a, um, you know, a business objective, whether it be gross margin maximization, headcount reduction through automation, you know, some of those cells are very difficult. But, uh, you know, I found it easy for me because, you know, Hey, it led men in combat. So what could be much more worse than this, right? So kind of taking this uh, somewhat casually uh, mindset and, uh, you know, really applying it to uh, some of my businesses' experiences, it uh, allowed me to to excel is ultimately where I get to. So um, it, COVID hit. So I guess we're, we're up to 2020 in the timeline here. And, um, you know, that was just a like punch in the gut for, for everybody, <laughs> for everyone. And, you know, I, I saw these individual liberties just kind of not even being stripped away, just given away. Mm -hmm. And it really shocked me that it took a, you know, a virus, I'll be, you know, less than a half percent death rate, um, you know, for, for really Americans as a whole to say, you know what, Hey, we're, we're good. Well, We'll kind of toe the line, fall in line, and uh, we'll take these uh, specific directives being, you know, shoved down our throats. And, you know, I really didn't feel good with that at all. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I would self-identify as a constitutionalist. And, um, you know, so I'm like, well, this isn't cool. Uh, the particular organization I was serving, Fortune 500, uh, managing multi-site manufacturing facilities, 3 million square feet responsibility and total footprint, Um you know, was kind of going in that same direction where, you know, hey, um, we're not going to refer to you as Mr. anymore because that's not totally inclusive. And, you know, I'm like, hey, that's fine. You know, mutual respect for all. But, you know, you do you. I'm going to do me. Um, so this was around May. Okay. And, of course, COVID was still going on. And I had thought for years about, you know, hey, what is my purpose? How can I get back? How am I going to live a life that is worth the sacrifices, you know, made by by many? Um you know, so uh, my best friend in the world, my wife and I, we were talking and, you know, she's like, well, you know, just follow your passion. Do do what, you know, we've talked about for a while, which was uh, business consultation. Um, you know, so we started that, uh, the Trinity Group, and um, that's gone very well. Um, we provide specific services for organizations that want to look inwardly, maximize their profitability through three key areas and that is their people development process development and ultimately their gross margin maximization so um in this kind of focus we support organizations that uh, really want to understand better their own uh business model and elements within that model and how it impacts their bottom line so um so that was going well um we had been doing that for several months so this is fast fast forwarding now to uh september and, um, you know, I am still kind of looking around like, well, this isn't, you know, consuming a hundred hours a week for me. Like what, what else, you know, can we do? What else should we be doing? And it really dawned on me after a conversation that I had I was getting a cup of coffee. It was in East Tennessee. Um, and I was listening to a conversation, uh, 
a group of folks uh, that had said um, when they were reading an article and uh, I really came to uh, um, a point to where I had to interject myself in the conversation. And, you know, it was essentially, hey, um, we're we're going to be pretty good at, um, you know, just kind of accepting how, um, you know, the the, the nation goes uh, after the 3rd of November. And I'm like, okay, what, what is this about? And essentially the context of the conversation was, you know, hey, we're, we're uh, preparing to, uh, to kind of register, you know, our firearms and our magazines. And, you know, we're, we're, we're going to be safe as long as, you know, we, we call 911. And, you know, I, I just like really took a step back. And what I didn't realize at that point in time is, I was listening to a general consensus of the U.S. population that if things go bad, they simply are going to pick up a phone number, uh, a phone rather, and and call a number. Um, and that to me was almost the genesis of decisive aim. And decisive aim is truly born out of the American fighting spirit, um, allowing that fire to continue to burn with an understanding that we are our own best uh, safety. We're our own best elements of preparedness and taking that individual responsibility and understand that we are uh, without a doubt the only ones who are going to respond timely, appropriately, and understand our own situations if and when there is a threat. So um, came back uh, to Ohio and really started to um, pull together some statistics and data that would help me better present what I wanted to do on paper, and that was uh, develop an organization whose primary mission was the preservation of life. And under that, the elements of which we built this organization uh, are uh, training, preparedness, along with a few other services. But essentially, we want the individual American to understand that they are their own best uh, safety net, and they are their own best response team. And we are empowered um, to to be just that. Uh, we are empowered to be our best line of defense and only through a well-trained um, community focused um, you know, mindset are we able to uh, to survive you know so we all that being said, you know our organization is really focused on providing skills in developing and further enhancing uh, mindsets uh, that are focused on uh, the individual's um, uh, responsibility to uh, to be able to defend themselves and their families. And I think responsibility is, is the key word. Um, I talk about it a lot on this show, that we have a responsibility to our communities, whether that's raising money for homeless in your community, whether that's um, getting involved with your school so that there's an extra coach on the field for your kid or providing security for your family in your community um, right. and helping others provide security for themselves. These are right. all things that are your responsibility. And as Americans, we really should hold on to those responsibilities because you have the option as an American sure. to make a decision on what you want to actually participate in. Sure. My next door neighbor might not want to own a weapon. That's fine. I don't agree right. with you. I think you should, but that's that's me. Right. But you have the option. The moment we stop the responsibility portion of it, that option starts to go away. It's taken away from you. Like you said, 
about COVID. I try not to get too deep into what people believe and don't believe with the whole COVID situation. I think everybody has their own opinion and it can be tough because listen, if I'm a business owner and my business is shut down and only 0.5% people are dying and listen, I feel bad for them and their families, but my family needs to eat. Sure. You know, if I have a grandmother who's in the hospital, who's dying of COVID, I'm going to probably have a different, opinion than maybe the business owner. So that being said, I definitely agree with you that this has kind of been a little bit of a litmus test of how easy is it to take away rights? How easy is it to say you're going to stay at home or you're not going to open your business or you're going to wear a mask? Um, Your kids aren't going to go to school. Um, and again, I think it all falls back on that responsibility to hold our elected officials to do the right things. And you're not going to just tell me what to do. I'm going to be a part of the process. We're going to have a say in this. Um, and firearms is just another thing. Personal security is just another thing that you need to do. You need to do for yourself. Because like you said, with the riots that happened in what was that? That was April and May. Yeah, I mean, really it feels like a year ago. It feels like over yeah, a year ago. Solid four months. Yeah, it, it did start in May um, he- heavily, right? Heavily, you yeah. Know, um, you know, and then you had this weird occupation in Seattle. Yep. And it was like Chad or Chaz uh, or whatever it yeah, was. It, yeah, they changed their names. Yeah, often. Often. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. And the, yeah, uh, the acronym really never made sense. But, <laughs> no. Yeah. So, um, yeah, changing their names multiple times. And, you know, it was funny because in this conversation I was listening to and and, uh, just grabbing a cup of coffee, right? Mm -hmm. It was, well, it's just a mask, you know, and and that was really the the context of the conversation. It's just a mask. And, you know, it wasn't as much of the context as much as it was just this naive um, misunderstanding and this total, Hey, you know what? We're, we're going to be fine. And uh, before I stepped out of the, the coffee shop, uh, which is fantastic, uh, little veteran owned company in East Tennessee, mm-hmm. uh, Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. And, uh, you know, I, I couldn't help but throw a little bit of Reagan in and, you know, there were a few in the group that, you know, was, you know, probably, uh, eligible to vote at that particular point in time Mm -hmm. and um you know i said really you know how are you guys going to feel when you know someone knocks on your door and says hey i'm from the government i'm here to help um and one of them kind of caught on to the quote as loosely as it was um uh presented to him Mm -hmm. and you know he just started to kind of laugh a little chuckle and then the others are like yeah yeah and they were like hey yeah that, that that would be great and i'm like okay so um, at that point, you were totally dependent upon a entity that does or does not have your best interests mm-hmm. at hand. Well, well, of course they do. I'm like, do they? Because here's a fundamental truth, and this was given to me at a very early age. If you put your trust in people, you'll always be disappointed. You'll always be disappointed. What you need to focus on, however, is your higher cause, your sense of purpose, your sense of duty, and your individual responsibility uh, to defend yourself, to defend those around you, those that you love. And do you have those skill sets? Do you have the mindset necessary to close the distance, to eliminate a threat in order to live? Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, yes or no. Um, you know, so one of the things that we often say during our, our training courses is survival is a choice. Mm -hmm. Living is a choice. It is your individual choice. Do not wait sitting on the couch thinking that, hey, tomorrow I'm going to go run. I'm going to go work out. I'm going to go pick up my firearm for the first time. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm really going to commit to it. Uh, tomorrow's too late. Today, now is the perfect time for you to invest in yourself and your individual ability to defend that self. Um, you know, when, when I really think, you know, kind of unpacking COVID just a bit, the, you know, the kind of turning point for me, I'm like, well, you know, what kind of community do we have? And, and just for full transparency, we've, this isn't necessarily a new mindset. You know, we have a community, we have contingency planning, we have emergency evacuation plans. We are an organization that is about what we do um, and we are truly as advertised. But, um, you know, so I, I've had these conversations with like-minded folks. And when I started to think about community and what was it, March, when people started to go crazy over toilet paper, like uh, yes. commodities. Yep. And, you know, and it really dawned on me, like, you know, this sense of community that really the culture of this nation was founded on that, you know, you may not have this, but you have a, um, a neighbor or you have someone within your family who maybe has a commodity, again, using that as an example, uh, that you need, uh, and that there are going to be a reciprocated um, exchange of uh, materials, resources, uh, skills, whatever. Um, and, and then I see all this happening in March and I'm like, okay, you know, where's the sense of community? Where's the sense that, you know, Hey, I've got something, you need this. Hey, let's work together. Let's make this mutually beneficial for everyone. And it was just crazy. It, the responses were like, totally, um, this is me, this is what I need. And then you see these videos of folks fighting yep. in grocery stores and I'm like, okay. Getting so in shouting serious. matches. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, so there's no sense of community. There's no sense of, you know, supporting, you know, someone to my left and my right. And it really dawned on me that, you know, starting an organization that is about personal preparedness and the, uh, really developing the ability and the mindset necessary to defend yourself and your family. Um, but, but I wanted to do something a little different where we focus on uh, the veteran aspect and we grow that veteran community. So, you know, so really unpacking decisive aim, 6.1% of all businesses in the U S are veteran owned. Um, I'm like, well, this is crazy. Yeah. Um, because why just 6.1%? You know, this is a tremendously talented, um, you know, segment of our, our population. And from a business perspective, you know, why just 6.1%? So we've been very intentional in our partners, um, whether it be materials that we use, uh, our marketing, our content development is really been about surrounding ourselves with other veterans. Uh, and by doing so, we continue to grow our community. Uh, bringing that back full circle and understanding that, um, you know, one of our inherent responsibilities as Americans is to support one another mm -hmm. and to, you know, really ensure that, um, you know, Jason's doing well because I'm doing well. Right. right? And, you know, uh, Crate Tactical is an example I, I did want to bring up on the uh uh, show today, you know, veteran-owned organization in uh, Alabama, or pardon me, uh, Georgia. Georgia. 
pissed, pissed that I said that. Uh, um, yeah, you better yeah. be careful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're they're in Georgia and a uh, veteran-owned organization, and they really do represent all branches of the military, with the exception of the Space Force, of course. Um, and just a really, really cool company. Mm-hmm. Uh, they provide uh, steel targets, uh, reflexive. Uh, I've seen some of their stuff I, I, on Instagram. Yeah, yeah, and they're you know, just an amazing organization. And, you know, one of the things that we've done a decisive aim, again, being intentional on how we brand and how we bring others with us. um, I think it's equally important to, to understand that, you know, if Crate Tactical isn't doing well, we're not doing well. And if we're doing well, why can't Crate Tactical, you know, sell more steel targets? And, uh, you know, just as, as the example, so we, we really do focus on being intentional and focusing on the veteran community and, and really growing uh, that, that influence and that sphere of influence, um, you know, by, by, you know, surrounding ourselves with other veteran organizations. No, that's, and that's, it's so important, you know, that community aspect has to be number one. For, for people. Because like you said, if you're doing something good and you're successful, the the responsibility as a human being, I'm not even saying as an American, as a human being is to help right. the next guy come up. Um, right. You know, that's, we owe that to all the people around us. If you're doing well, don't you want your neighbor to do well? I mean, there's so many reasons why you would want to. <laughs> um, right. But Unfortunately, a lot of times, and even in the veteran community, and I talk about this a lot, you know, yeah. we're our worst enemy sometimes. We will cut each other down. We will, you know, make fun of each other, sometimes in a happy way and kind of like ribbing. And other times, right. it's just we eat our own. And right. I think we got to get out of that and get more into like what you're talking about. Hey, if my business is doing good, why can't his? His should be doing right. good too. And what can I do? Is there. Uh, a tactic that I'm using. Uh, maybe they're not as good at, uh, you know, marketing on social media and I am. Right. So maybe I could show them how, whatever the case may be. Um, right. and I think that all kind of falls in line with, with your training. Um, you know, I'm sure when you're building these courses, you're trying to take things from, the, from, you know, veterans that, you know, um, you know, uh, people that you, maybe you served with, Hey, we, we learned this or we learned that I want to incorporate that into my courses. Um, so when you are developing, say these courses, uh, right. are you bringing that kind of that community aspect of it? Are you bringing people in, Hey, we're going to tailor make this course for the people that, uh, you know, in this community, like say you're Ohio, you have an Ohio concealed carry course. Okay. Right. So right there, are you just focused on getting them their license or are you kind of saying, Hey, this is what the people in this community need to protect themselves and do more. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great question. So a couple of responses here, uh, our concealed carry courses are offered at every state. Uh, we are accredited, uh, okay. to provide a license for all, uh, 50 states. Uh, and we do in several other states, but, um, yeah, so our Ohio based carry concealed course, uh, was developed in conjunction with, uh, several other folks from the veteran community. Um, we do like to involve folks that have a true area, uh, of expertise. Um, so just uh, as a sidebar, like our uh, trauma care emergency medical courts that mm-hmm. we do provide, you know, those were a couple of green berets, you know, that have slapped on hundreds and hundreds of tourniquets, right. you know, in real life scenarios. Um, and, and we take a deep amount of appreciation for their time and their skills. Um, 
because what we want to ensure in every class, whether it be medical or uh, tactics, defensive classes, is a level of realism and to truly impress upon the participants of that class. Um, this is as best of a first time experience as you're going to have in a training environment of what it'll be like in a real life environment uh, with a focus that we don't want to the first time someone applies a tourniquet uh, to be when their life or someone beside them life depended upon. Of course. It. Um, so, yeah, we we really do spend a lot of time in garnering experiences uh, from all uh, walks of life uh, in each one of our classes. So our, our Ohio-based Gary Conceal class, um, we worked with a few other folks, um, you know, within um, the uh, kind of carry conceal segment. Um, we worked with folks who really specialize in reflexive fire. Uh, we, um, one Green Beret and one former 75th guy, um, in, in doing so in developing these courses, really what we feel like we've put together is a truly unique experience, unlike any other, uh, carry conceal class, mm -hmm. um, that, um, you know, that anyone can really experience here in the U S uh, we focus on, um, legal law, uh, the ind individual's responsibility, your ethical responsibility. We focus on mindset, the mindset of the engagement during the engagement and after the engagement. And we really do pull from a lot of people's experiences, you know, that traumatic experience of taking a, a life, extinguishing a threat at point blank. Um, and, and we walk through that. A again, it's important to have a understanding of what this scenario will be like uh, in a training environment in lieu of, hey, this is my first time uh, and, and here we are. How do I process this? And then we wrap up the course uh, on the range, of course, and uh, we focus on several fundamental techniques. You know, we really love feedback that says, hey, uh, your instruction was easy to understand and uh, I was able to immediately apply it uh, to, uh, you know, my, my shoot, um, you know, and uh, qualification even, and it, it made sense to me. We appreciate that feedback. That's really what we're about. We want to provide straightforward, real life, applicable training that you're going to be able to walk away with uh, as a skill and further develop that, of course. So, um yeah, we, we, I do appreciate the question and we really do focus on uh, developing courses that are great for every U.S. citizen from every walk of life uh, at every skill level. And now when you're talking about um, real world kind of environment, you talked about the, uh, the emergency medical um, are we talking like adding stressors and things like that? Um, so, yep. so yeah. we're talking about maybe, you know, noise in the background, something like that, or, uh, you know, if you don't mind, like uh, maybe a specific stressor that you guys use during that training. Yeah. So we will use uh, space and distance uh, often. Um, those are some of the easiest and uh, environmental aspects mm -hmm. to manipulate, uh, you know, so you'll have to uh, one particular scenario, you'll have to uh, pull a person from a car uh, that's pinned against a, uh, um, a barrier, a wall barrier. Um, we really try in this particular scenario to replicate um, a crash on a highway uh, to where you're having to remove a person from, from the vehicle and uh, apply emergency medical uh, trauma and care 
uh, immediately. So in this environment, um, you know, we use these tight spaces. Um, you know, even we like to pair up folks that have a significant distance in their own uh, posture. Um, you know, we may take a 220 pound participant and a 115 pound person and hey, you've got to extract this larger person from a, uh, this this uh, penned in area mm -hmm. and apply this tourniquet. So, you know, space and environment. So we do use some pyrotechnics um, and we enjoy doing that because you, you really never know. Right. Uh, and if anything, it is a uh, it's an opportunity to understand how you're going to respond. You know, we, we talked a little bit before about, um, you know, fight and flight, mm -hmm. uh, freeze is another huge, uh, response that we see probably two thirds of all of our participants just freeze right. in all the training environments and, uh, scenarios that we run through. And, you know, it's very little fight, a uh, very little fight, um, and then again, even more so, just completely freeze. Um, what's really unique about these, uh, the particular, uh, well, all the training we do, especially the medical training, is uh, we will record all of this, uh, high-speed cameras, drones, and uh, we provide instant feedback through tablets. You know, so it's, you know, hey, you um, forgot to, you know, place a knee here. In this situation, this is going to significantly reduce the bleeding, right? Right so here, watch this. Um, and that's just super cool. It's like you get to see that proverbial light bulb go off, like right in front of you. You see them having the benefit of the course uh, that you're presenting, and they're instantly um, modifying, you know, their uh, their reaction to the feedback that you're able to provide. So, uh, yeah, we use a gamut of different techniques and scenarios in order to uh, increase the stress, increase the you know the uh, the heartbeat, right, and uh, to really um, create an environment that is, again, going to replicate what a real-life scenario would be like. Yeah. And I think that's really important, especially the feedback portion of it, because you do have so many first-time gun owners out there right now. Right. Um, I'm, I don't have sure. the statistic in front of me, but I know that it yeah, has skyrocketed this year alone, the 2020 alone. Right. Yeah, it's 73% more first-time gun owners in 2020 as a whole now that that calendar year is, is done. So 73% more first-time gun owners than year prior um yep and a lot of these people yeah and a lot of these people don't have any type of military background to even right. draw on and just because you had military background doesn't mean you actually had any training listen i was an air force right. mechanic the only times I picked up a firearm were for qualification for the most part, or if we did a right. favor for the SPs by cutting up M16 barrels or something like that, and they took us out to the range to go have some fun. You know, okay. um, right. we, uh, some of us got to do a little bit more with convoy duty, stuff like that, so you may have a little bit more advanced training when it comes to that. But there is a large population in the military, veterans included, that aren't with a weapon all the time. They're not Sure. extensively trained outside of maybe basic training and then qualifications once or twice a year. Um, right. So to just say, hey, I, I'm, I was in the military, let me show you how to shoot. Well, right. That's a farce. That's not real. Right. And, oh, for sure. And you also might have gotten out of the military 15 years ago. Have you picked up a weapon since? Have you continued right. your training? You know, um, so what you're doing and what you're providing by having this training out there, especially for these first time gun owners um, and having those stressful situations to see how they're going to react. Or am I going to freeze now? I have video of myself doing something I didn't even think I was going to do. 
So you get right. that feedback, and you now you can make adjustments and become a responsible gun owner who's ready to actually use the weapon properly and not become a liability with that weapon. Right. Um, yeah, that's that. You brought up a, a couple of really good points. So uh, the liability aspect, I tell you, the number one thing that shocks folks when I'm running through, let's say it's a carry concealed class. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, to, to your point, about 50% of all of our carry concealed participants are veterans. So Ohio, uh, you do not have to attend a course if you're a veteran, right. uh, if you provide your DD-214 and your, your license, of course, right? Um, but I see about 50% of our classes are veterans. Uh, the majority of the feedback is, hey, it's been 15 years, so I may have a DD-214, but I've not picked up a firearm since then. Hey, that's a good call. Um, but the the number one um, reaction that I get or the most adverse reaction I get uh, when we talk about law, liability, ethics, um, is you are responsible for every round. And then I really unpack that or one of the other instructors really unpacks what does that mean I'm responsible for every round? Um, so that sense of responsibility blows people's minds when, hey, if you are, um, if you're walking to your car as a just general uh, generic scenario and, um, you know, you're approached, you have a threat, uh, you're forced at that point to uh, extinguish that threat through deadly force. Um, you shoot two rounds, first point blank range, eliminates the threat secondary shot as the person's going down that ricochets hits another uh, bystander behind you possibly you're responsible for that you're responsible for that second shot and uh just watching people's you know reactions of like i am well of course you are so you know that that sense of responsibility and you know i i'm asked often uh, why train right why by train mm-hmm. I, I you know i have a handgun i've hunted my entire life uh, why should I train? Well, there's a difference uh, between hunting an animal and taking a human life uh, in so many variations and forms, right? But, you know, you still have a level of responsibility, you know, to be able to maintain uh, effective skill sets that, that are required to safely uh, and uh, within your ethical uh, decision-making process to, to defend yourself, right? And, uh, and to extinguish a threat. So, yeah, I, I love that point. And, and then the other element here, you know, we use folks as range safety officers all the time. We reference uh, other folks, a part of our preparedness services. You know, I love Mike Glover. Uh, the mm-hmm. guy is a fantastic patriot, an amazing American. And uh, so we reference folks to his content all the time because he is a truly subject matter expert in the areas of preparedness field craft survival, right? I mean, that's his thing, yep. you know, so uh, part of this veteran community, you know, I think that we would all benefit from understanding what our areas of expertise are, maintaining those lanes, and then referencing other guys and gals that uh, have that area of expertise that, uh, hey, you know what, um, here is specifically what we're going to go over. If you've got a great question, go see this person, right? And right. it isn't like maybe necessarily even reaching out to them directly, but, you know, look them up on Instagram, you know, follow them, understand their content, and then really learn through, you know, the, uh, um, you know, the varying levels of uh, introduction, right? So whether it be their YouTube platform, uh, Facebook, whatever. Um, but that is another element within Decisive Aim that, you know, hey, 
we use folks all the time that have uh, a true subject matter expertise, uh, reflexive firing, right? We use folks that do that every single day, you know, in a civilian capacity, but uh, in a federal civilian capacity, you know, and that that's their lane. That's their subject mm-hmm. matter expertise. And uh, so, hey, when it comes to reflexive firing, firing you know, we're going to pluck one of these guys that, you know, are maybe taking a couple weeks off on holiday and want to pop in and uh, teach a couple classes with us. And that's awesome because, you know, even just sending somebody for, you know, hey, listen, I said this in my class. Here's another guy that's reinforcing it or maybe has a little bit of a different opinion. You guys are in the same kind of idea, but he might have a little bit of a different spin on it and you can benefit from that as well. You know, you right. you know, your training doesn't just stop because you walked out the door and you're done with decisive aims course you still have to continue on whether it's uh, dry fire drills whether it's just range time whatever you're doing all of that stuff adds into that kind of portfolio that makes you ready to use your firearm responsibly properly um you, you spoke about laws right people who buy a firearm have to remember the legal responsibility that they are undertaking the moment they take ownership of that weapon. Um, For a person like myself in New York, um, you better know your laws. Right. Because you will get locked up around this joint, okay? They will throw away the key, okay? Um, You better know what firearms are legal here. You better know how you're allowed to purchase a firearm. So, for instance, purchasing a handgun in the state of New York, uh, Suffolk County, where I'm from, I have to go to the store. I have to purchase the weapon. They give me a piece of paper. I don't go with the weapon. So they give me a piece of paper. I have to go to the police department. I give them the piece of paper. They put the serial number on my license. I go back with another piece of paper to the dealer. He now gives me the weapon and I have to go back to the police officers, the the, the police department and show them that I have taken possession of the weapon. They give me another piece of paper. It's all done. So it's a four-step actual process to purchase a handgun in, in Suffolk County. I know it's laughable, okay? And for people out of state, they're like, what the hell did you just say? Um, right. But that's you the law. lost at the first step. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's crazy. It, I know it is. Um, meanwhile, you could buy a rifle, walk out that day with it, no problem. It's just handgun okay. that you have to do that. Um, okay. So, again, doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I don't agree with it, but it is the law and knowing the law in your state, knowing reciprocity laws when you're going to cross into another state. um, So important, so important. And I saw that almost all of your handgun courses in the descriptions talk about some type of law. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Key, key to do because you need to stay up on it. And I'm sure for you, you have to stay up on the laws as they change. You know, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's an excellent point. And uh, we actually just had a change uh, in Ohio mm-hmm. uh, this past week, right? So, House uh, Resolution Bill 175 uh, was just uh, accepted, voted on, right? And uh, so, now Ohio um, no longer has a duty to retreat clause. Okay. We are a stand your ground state. And, um, you know, understanding one that change but two what what does that mean Mm -hmm. right um you know this duty of care as a responsible gun owner uh, still exists even with you know duty to retreat stand your ground you know what specifically does that mean to me then in the event that uh, there is a perceived um you know threat and you know um deadly force is required you know as a result so Mm -hmm. what what does all of that mean so we really 
are quite intentional in our uh, course development. All of our courses that uh, we provide uh, classroom instruction for are all validated by an attorney um, and often uh, several attorneys to ensure that what we're providing is one, applicable to the area that we're providing the instruction, mm -hmm. uh, two, most recent, and three, uh, does it fit within the duty of care, um, you know, a duty of higher responsibility as a uh, gun owner. Um, we do uh, work with several other organizations that look at our content uh, that help us understand liabilities. One, you know, as a, a business, but also just providing this particular uh, training, um, you know, has really gotten into um, recently, um, you know, a huge liability um, you know, just as far as the, the, the organization, the course instruction, you know, uh, and where does my level of responsibility as a firearms instructor, as an example, or a defensive tactics uh, organization end with that individual that we've just provided, um, you know, training to. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, we, we, we really uh, base a tremendous amount of our, our modeling, our course modeling after, um, you know, laws. Yeah. Uh, and it's important that you do that. I mean, liability is uh, its a scary thing when you, I mean, there's plenty of pitfalls. And like you said, from a business aspect and yeah. then just from the community aspect, you want to make sure you're providing information. Say, I'm taking your course. You don't want me leaving, even if you're protected from a business standpoint, from a community responsibility standpoint. You want to make sure I'm right. leaving there with the most up-to-date and best information to be a responsible gun owner. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, uh, you know, equally, you know, as we talk about the individual's responsibilities, you know, as a weapons instruction, you know, organization, you know, there are uh, moments where we will not issue um, course completion certificates, whether it be carry concealed permit um, or, or otherwise uh, based upon the performance of the individual, you know, we hold so dearly, that level of responsibility and inherent or otherwise um, that, uh, you know, we do withhold, you know, those certificates, not mm -hmm. often, but, um, you know, we, we do exercise that discretionary decision-making based upon, um, you know, perceived risk. But you know what? I, I think that's a good thing. Um, you know, I'm sure the person that was spending the money uh, might've been annoyed that they didn't get their certificate, but as somebody that might walk into your business one day, I actually want to know that. I want to know that not everybody's just walking out of here, cookie cutter. It's kind of like, um, you know, fake martial arts place where everybody ends up with a black belt. As long as you pay me for two years, you're going right. to end up with a black belt. Don't worry about <laughs> it. Just keep the checks right. coming and we're good. Yeah. Uh, if I'm scouting different training, you know, organizations and, you know, I'd like to know, hey, not everybody passes because you actually have to do what the what you're supposed to do to get the certification, you know, the, the certificate. Uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. That uh, demonstration of skill sets is something that's kind of unique. But I think coming full circle, we have to remember, why do we provide this line of services? And we do so. Uh, for the preservation of life and right. equally uh, life can accidentally be taken by someone's own negligence mm -hmm. and lack of training, lack of skill, lack of understanding of their particular weapon system. You know, so we take all of that, uh, you know, in full context, um, you know, when we're, you know, making those decisions to issue this certificate, issue this permit or not. Now, when you talk about, um, you know, uh, your local community training and every, have you gotten involved any, 
with like uh, law enforcement training um, because I know that's a big thing right now. You know, with right. with again, we talked about it earlier with the protests that happened, and you know. I, I've talked about it before. People are screaming to defund the police and or move funds away from this or move funds there. And and I've always screamed, you got to give them more money because really, in a lot of these scenarios, training could have right. helped. Whether it would have stopped right. it, um, I, I wasn't there. I, I don't know enough right. about it to comment. Um, but I would imagine that in all scenarios, training always helps. <laughs> it's not going right. to hurt. Of course. Um, yeah. Have you guys done anything with the local law enforcement to do uh, some training? Yeah, well, the just to back up here, of course, mm -hmm. the first time that you draw your weapon, you really don't want it to be your last. So read into the context however you like, but um, yeah, training does save lives for yeah. sure. Um, we 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 have to answer you directly to uh, the second question there. We 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 have. Um, you know, I'd like to think that our uh, local and regional, um, you know, first responders, police, highway patrolmen. Uh, and other agencies within the state know that, you know, we are a support element and we are right. a huge advocate of their work. Um, and uh, yeah, so we, we, we have definitely, and um, we like to ensure that um, it's well known throughout our own actual community. And, and by this, I'm referring to the, the actual community, geographically speaking, mm -hmm. you know, understand that we're, we're, we're here to help and we're here to support one another. And, um, you know, that certainly transcends to uh, public service as well. Yeah, good. That's good to know. Um, one thing that I definitely want to talk to you about um, is, so we're talking firearms and all of that, but that's not the only thing that you do as far as training. One of the very interesting services you guys provide is, is that you do an in-home um, kind of analysis for security um, yep. and also being prepared in different scenarios. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so we, we start uh, those particular services uh, through uh, specialized, certified, accredited uh, training. So personal protection in the home, personal protection outside of the home. The organization is certified to provide this instruction. Um, so uh, part of the in-home services, we will uh, do an assessment, uh, a, a generalized threat assessment of the property. Uh, we start from the exterior perimeters, uh, egresses, routes of uh uh, either approach or avenues of, uh, of egress. And we focus on how does that family unit uh, respond to a threat and through multiple scenarios, whether that be direct contact uh, breaching um, or if there's a threat inside of the home, how are they responding? So mm -hmm. um, uh, safe room locations, family flow plans, family preparedness in the event uh, that the family is uh, shut and locked in or has to uh, uh, rapidly leave the premises. Um, you know, what, what are those plans? Where are the follow on points in the event that the family is broken up? Where are they all, um, you know, meeting uh, to ensure that they have everyone that they they, they need or um everyone is accounted for. So uh, in this, it's uh, typically around a 10 or 12 page uh, assessment. Mm -hmm. We take, uh, of course, drone uh, footage. Um, you know, we identify threats and uh, we approach this as a services. Um, and in this, we, we really do outline if we wanted to take your home, how would we do it? And uh, that kind of raises some eyebrows. Of and course. They're like, well, what are you talking about? And uh, it's really amazing. Um, and some of the services we've provided with folks that, uh, you know, just even very 
casually getting into the home, being able to give a full description of the home, uh, doorways, windows, what's locked, what's not, um, even without even stepping inside of the home, you know, providing this feedback, it's just amazing watching people's faces and uh, again, that light bulb going off, but it, it's kind of a, a new light bulb for them. Mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's a different way of thinking about their own safety. And um, yeah, so I, I do appreciate you bringing that up. And I see that for us in 2021 being a huge area yeah. of growth. And, uh, you know, just uh, again, that's that's inside of the home, but but even outside of the home with your personal protection outside of the home. Uh, one of the things that uh, came up in a uh, class where personal protection outside of the home was, um, hey, next time you go to uh, get your oil changed, right? Uh, maybe you don't have a good relationship uh, with your mechanic. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, again, with an understanding that if you put your faith in people, you'll always be disappointed. But uh, uh, I asked for a show of hands, how many folks, when they drop off their vehicle, they just um, surrender the uh, the keychain and uh, they walk off, right? Uh, every single person I've ever asked this question to has said, yeah, I just give them my my, my key set and you know they, they could do their thing. And I'm like, well, how many of you are 1,000% confident where you would swear on your own life that uh, there was never a duplicate key made to your home? Yep. And everyone's just like, oh, that's, you know, that, that's crazy. That, that doesn't happen. And I encourage them to, to understand the statistics of this particular example. Um, so, so that's kind of a eyebrow razor, um, you know, when folks are like, oh, wow, this is a real thing. Well, absolutely it is. Damn, um, I feel good about myself. I don't give them my keys. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Uh, very good. Very, very good. good. Yeah. Now I feel yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. no, you, you should. And it's, that's a tremendous, tremendous avenue to uh, access or gain access rather to, to a, a residence. Yeah. And, uh, and it does happen. You know, the, the other one that we provide for personal protection outside of the home is, um, Hey, here's the number one thing that you need to do when you get into your car. So just quizzing you, what do you think that is? The Check. first thing you do when you get in your car. Rear view mirror back seat. Nope. No, okay. You've done that before you entered the car. Ah, that's true. Because the back the back window. Yep. 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 Uh All right. so, so Go ahead. Yo, one more guess. Um hmm. what would be the next thing I would do? Um uh, I'm gonna say probably for me, just being completely honest, mm -hmm. I start my car and I okay. look outside of the vehicle i check my i check my mirrors yeah yeah and that's good the first thing you need to do when you get inside of your car is lock it all right see i do not i allow the car to lock itself once i'm up to whatever it is five miles an hour okay okay yep yeah so you want to lock your mm -hmm. car so we we like to base our courses in realism and so we throw uh, good statistics, sound statistics at, at folks. And one of those being that 90% of all vehicle burglaries or vehicle assaults, assaults being defined as someone is in the vehicle, someone gains access to that vehicle. 90% of those are through simply by opening the door. Okay. So, and that's provided by the Department of um, Investigation, Department of Justice, uh, Department of Justice. And, you know, so that's, that's kind of interesting when, when you look at that statistic and you think, okay, so simply just by locking the door, that's a deferment, right? So you're deterring rather the, the person from opening up that door. So after you've cleared the vehicle and you've walked around it, right, you, you enter your vehicle, mm -hmm. you get in, don't buckle up, 
right right away don't look at your phone right away don't be adjusting mirrors mm-hmm. lock your door yeah so that's a uh, small element of what what we provide as far as defensive uh techniques defensive mindset and personal protection outside of the home that's you know and i'm sure that there's so many more scenarios that if you actually start looking at your day-to-day kind of life how vulnerable are you and that's kind of what this service lets you know how vulnerable is your home how vulnerable are you outside of your home? Are you doing the things you're supposed to do? Are you checking this or that? Um, do you do this also for businesses? So like yeah. active shooter type yeah. stuff, that type of thing? Yep. Oh, yeah, good. absolutely. We we partner with a, another veteran-owned organization regionally uh, to provide uh, active shooter scenario-based training um, to provide uh, business uh, threat assessments, uh, whether it be uh, policy and procedure. It's one of the ones that I really enjoy doing, uh, just as an example. Um, you know, and, and this is where the Trinity Group most often comes in because okay. you know, I'm already in the door. I'm already uh, getting to know the business from the inside out. And one of the things I'll throw out there is, hey, uh, could you show me in the handbook specifically for your management staff when you're going to terminate an employee? Uh, what is the what is the policy? What's the procedure? And and I often get just kind of a blank look Uh there one may not be, um, you know, a predetermined policy and procedure, but ultimately what I'm drilling down to is, you know, are you doing that one-on-one? Are you doing that with, um, you know, an, an employee that you're terminating, um, maybe in the middle of your plant, maybe in an office setting, you know, what is the egress? What is the plan to escort them off of the property mm-hmm. at that point? And it's amazing how many organizations have not taken the time to just, uh, understand that as a particular uh, potential issue and as a potential threat for uh, that management person who is doing the the, the termination. Um, often what I see in most handbooks are it's done by the HR manager and the HR manager only, and it's typically done in the HR manager's office, and that office maybe or maybe is, you know, close to to an egress point, you know, so then you're you're exposing this um, you're creating a scenario to where someone is, you know, walking through, uh, you know, your plant or your offices and, um, you know, they're, they're probably not in the best frame of mind at that point, right. Having just been terminated. So, so we help, uh, develop policy and procedure to one reduce risk, right. Uh, but also to ensure that, uh, you know, we're focusing on liability, mm-hmm. um, you know, the organization still carries a liability for all of its employees uh, that it's, uh, you know, employing, right? So the HR manager is doing the termination uh, should uh, be able to operate uh, within a system, within a policy and a procedure that still protects him or her. Yeah. And you're also protecting intellectual property as well, not just uh, life and, and uh, you know, property that is, you know, if they were going to damage something on their way out. But, you know, if you're not escorting that fired employee off the premises, how do you know that they didn't stop at a computer and download right. something that they can take now take to a competitor and say, I need a job. Here sure. is this. It sounds far-fetched, but it's really not. I mean, intellectual sure. property gets stolen every single day, uh, sure. you know? So, uh, you know, having that plan for these businesses is important on so many different levels. Um, no, so it's great that, that you kind of cross over there and actually, like you yeah. said, the Trinity group, you already have your foot in the door for a lot of these companies that now you can sit down and say, hey, by the way, I have this proposal. This is what I've outlined. It, you know, I've looked at what you guys do. This is what you should be focusing on. Active shooter, 
you know, termination procedures, uh, even just general security, depending on the type of organization it is. Um, right. Very yeah, good. Absolutely. Especially for folks that, um, you know, a lot of our clients are uh, manufacturing segments, mm -hmm. uh, goods and services segments, uh, containers, et cetera. So, you know, how are you ensuring that the uh, finished goods uh, disposition is still to your manufacturing standard uh, within internal external warehousing, right? Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of our clients have external warehousing, external being off of the campus, off the site itself. And, you know, we'll go and provide assessments uh, for them, you know, whether it be video surveillance or the lack thereof, uh, controlled entry points, etc. So it, uh, it is really nice that uh, the two um, businesses uh, complement one another and where we're strong in one area, um, it really does help the other. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And, you know, like you said, they, they're they're analogs for each other. So one's in the business sure. world, one's in the security world, but they are, they kind of run that kind of parallel thought process of um, tactical action, you know, being right. decisive, you know, uh, sure. making split decisions, split, you know, split second decisions in business could save you millions. And sure. security could save your life. Uh, so both are so important. Um, you know, obviously life <laughs> yeah. takes takes a little bit of a key, but I'm not, I don't want to yeah. lose a million dollars tomorrow either. So, um, yeah. you know, yeah, well, without one, you can't have the other. Of course. Right? So you get to pick. Yeah. Yeah. Let's uh, protect both. Yeah. Of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now you you run the business with your wife. Yes, yes. You do. So, so you she does all of the policy procedure, liability, marketing content, mm -hmm. uh, all of those kinds of things. So that's um, certainly one of her skill sets, her uh, her profession and her license as well. So. so I have to ask, how is it, you know, you're 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 in this arena of security, you're in this arena of business. So these this is kind of high stakes, most of it. You know what I sure. mean? This is yeah. uh, like we talked about, you know, the what's on the line is big time. This is all like I said, high stakes type stuff. So it could be very stressful. How is that working with your wife with that kind of stressful environment? Yeah. Yeah. It's no, it's really good. Good. I mean, this is, yeah, it's great. Um, you know, she's just a fantastic human being and I'm, I'm blessed to, uh, to be able to live this life alongside of her. But, uh, um, yeah, it's, it's good. I mean, the operational tempo, uh, you know, previously on active duty, right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, is helped us develop a balance that complements uh, our core strengths. And when, you know, there is a, um, you know, chaotic schedule or just a lot going on, you know, we're able to, to kind of lean on those previous experiences and, uh, you know, support one another and, and kind of get through, you know, whether it be, uh, super busy or even just this launching, you know, mm -hmm. decisive aim, right? I mean, this hundreds of hours worth of, you know, liability assessments, marketing development, uh, building content, all of those kinds of things. So no, we're, we're, we're good. And, and I think our personality types are as such that uh, we prefer that. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it really does kind of fuel us. I mean, it uh, is super cliche, but I did want to at least comment that, I mean, if you do what you love and you follow your passion and your conviction, I mean, you really don't feel like you're you're working. So uh, this has been a blessing for our family and the fact that uh, you know we're we're doing what we love and um, we're able to um, 
impress upon others, you know, um, you know, our core values and uh, the characteristics that we we identify as, you know, being Americans. You mm-hmm. know, this um, dangerous, dangerous pursuit of freedom and liberty over, you know, this kind of peaceful slavery, right? You know, this this mindset and ideology. We love that, and that's what we're about. And uh, again, both organizations that we represent are able to. Uh, um, you know, to, to bring that to a private segment and uh, provide services and, you know, without compromising who we are as people. So it's, it's good. That's awesome. I, I think I could work with my wife every day. I don't know that she could work with me every day. I don't, <laughs> I, I know she would be nice yeah. and say she could but, uh, it'd be tough. I, you know, yeah. I, I think she might take me out, but that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah it, uh, I, I, I tell you, it's, it's really unique because, you know, this is, of course, COVID's had a little bit to do with it. So this is like the least amount of travel that I've had um, probably ever, right. as far as I can remember. Certainly the least amount of international travel that I've had, and at least in a 12-month period uh, for like the last 15 years. So um, where I get to is I'm, I'm home more. Right. And it's, you know, once we found that kind of rhythm mm-hmm. of – you know, here's your role. Here's what I'm doing. Here's what you're doing. Um, you know, kind of come together, bounce some ideas off, and then we go back, regroup. Um, it's been good, but to your point, kind of getting to that moment, yeah, it was, it was, it was crazy. Yeah. You know, and that that was March for us, so everyone's just kind of locked down, isolated, uh, and that was, yeah, that was a good trial. It was good, uh, good training, yeah. as we would say, and. Um, yeah, you really do have to kind of take a step back often and uh, reassess of, uh, you know, what we're doing as individuals and how it's impacting others. But uh, no, that's good. At least you've identified that, uh, you know, you guys can work together. She probably just can't work with you. Right. Long, so she just have to put me in the basement. Know that. Yeah, she'll just keep yeah. me in the basement. I'll come up when I need something. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So where can people find information about your organization? And actually, before you even say that, it was one other thing I did want to ask you. Um, Because you are, say, in Ohio, I'm in New York. Have you guys started to offer any type of a virtual training yet? Um, Is that something on the horizon? Is it something maybe you don't want to do because of the the firearms nature of your, uh, you know, uh, organization? Um, Please, if, if you're if you're looking at that. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a great question. It's funny you should say that. Um, uh, so to answer you directly, we are. Okay. Yes. And uh, one of the things that we're providing, so we get back to the businesses, small businesses, helping other small businesses. So uh, one of the things I'll be doing, I think it's on my calendar actually for next Wednesday, is a standing meeting for personal protection outside of the home uh, where we're actually targeting a specific uh, demographic of folks. So it's a, a, a local uh, business here. And um, the majority of the the folks that work for this business are uh, widows. Uh, it's a charitable organization. Okay. And it's one of the things that we're providing a decisive aim is personal protection outside of the home. Um, and we're doing that virtually. So uh, it's kind of cool, the timing in, of your question. So uh, to answer you again directly, yes, we are. And this is kind of where we're entering this um, new virtual services. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I would expect at least as I understand the market right now that uh, that would be a, um, you know, probably a, a growth, you know, an area that I would put some growth in in 2021 would be the uh, the virtual services. And, of course. Uh, and we're starting that out actually next week. So excellent. All right. So yeah, it was, uh, I'm glad I asked. Um, 
But yeah. Uh, yeah. so where can people find you? Where can they find more information about both Trinity Group and uh, Decisive Aim? Um, you know, uh, Facebook, Instagram, websites, all that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah, all, all of that. Uh, so the uh, Trinity Group, uh, we have a representation on LinkedIn, mm-hmm. uh, my personal uh, LinkedIn. Uh, for Decisive Aim, you know, we're on Facebook, we are on Instagram. Instagram is a uh, probably a more uh, favorable platform. Facebook continuously uh, closes the account, uh, blocks activity on the account, um, which is kind of odd because Facebook owns Instagram. Instagram. It's very strange. Uh, but yeah, but it is really strange just because half of the content that we put on Facebook is blocked or deleted or removed, taken down. So that's really whatever. But uh, yeah, so uh, Decisive Aim is on Instagram, Instagram. is on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will be launching our webpage, uh, DecisiveAim.com. Uh, okay. Um, and we will be doing that uh, actually in, I think, about two weeks. So we have a few more things we want to uh run through a beta state and uh and then we'll we'll open that up very good very good so yeah. this interview is a uh, good timing then we got new things happening get the information sure. out to people and uh, hopefully they can take advantage of all these different services and if you're in the ohio area and you can go to these live classes before the virtual stuff starts uh you know you're going to benefit from it. I mean, like I said, I, I listed a couple of the classes, concealed carry permit. You got handgun one, handgun two. Um, you have the uh, emergency medical self-aid buddy care. Uh, another really cool one, vehicle-based incident course um, right. was another one that you have. So, guys, if you're in that local area or you're within a driving distance, take a look because it's, uh, you know, this is the stuff that saves your life one day. You know, your, your, sure. your training is what saves you. Absolutely. And uh, we always encourage everyone train like your life depends upon Mm -hmm. it because it does. Yeah, for sure. Well, Cliff, I really appreciate the time you spent with us. We've talked about a whole bunch of stuff. Um, You know, uh, it's it's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun to learn for a little bit about your organizations and just, again, what you're trying to do for the local community and the veteran community as a whole. So thank you for what you do and uh, keep it up. Yeah, it's our pleasure. Thanks again for uh, hosting, you know, this podcast, having us on, and uh, we really do appreciate it. All right, excellent, man. You have a great day, all right? All right, you too. Be safe. You too. Again, I want to thank Decisive Aim for coming on and uh, for Cliff, just with all the information and everything he's given out, um, you know, I love it. I love that stuff. I love training. Um I love the idea of being prepared for something, um, whether it's financially prepared, whether it's uh, security-wise, whether it's just being prepared for kind of the unknown as best you can be. I mean, obviously, you can't be prepared for everything, but, you know, uh, I think what he's doing is providing a great service to his community. And he talks about how he's bringing in other veterans' businesses and he's supporting them. And, you know, I'm sure he's doing a lot with the Trinity Group to make sure that everybody is kind of involved. And you can hear it in his voice when he talks about it. You know, the amount of times he used the word community or responsibility, and I did as well, um, you can see that that really is the focus of that business. Um, And I I support that. And I really love what the guy's doing. Um, Again, I'm really looking forward to the virtual training because obviously being in New York, I can't go to a class in Ohio uh, unless my wife gives me a pass to leave her with a 
two-year-old. Yeah, it's not going to happen. Don't worry about it. We'll just X that out. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go virtual once he does that and uh, hopefully take advantage of some of his courses. But definitely look out for that website. DecisiveAim.com is going to be coming end of January. Head over to the Facebook page. He said Instagram was better, so definitely follow on Instagram. Um, you know, just look him up, search him. And, and, you know, he's putting out content and he's putting out stuff. So please support these guys, all right? They're doing great things. And, uh, and listen, if you're a business who needs some consultation, look into that Trinity group. Uh, you know, it sounds like he kind of tackles it from both directions, whether it's, you know, uh, security and firearms training or whether it's business consultation and business training. So please take advantage of all the things that he's doing. Um, man, I think that's about it for this week. Uh, it's it's Friday. Uh, I hope you guys enjoy the episode. Um, you know, we're going to have another great interview for next week. Um, I want everybody out there to kind of try to focus on the important things in life. Um, this week was crazy with everything that happened in the Capitol. You might have your own opinion. I'm not going to tell you what to think. Um, what I will tell you is, is, as you look at these different things, keep in mind who actually cares about you, your family, your neighbors, your friends. The politicians in D.C. don't care about you. They've proven it time and time again, both sides. Um, they don't have your best interest in mind. They don't have your security in mind, um, like, like Cliff was talking about. Um, take the responsibility to be the best person you can be, and the people around you will as well. Um, that's all I can say. Um, you can have your own opinion of what happened down in D.C. You could say it's disgraceful. You could say it was warranted. Uh, you could say it was long time coming. What I will say is, is that both sides, Republican and Democrat, and the media created that years ago. And it was kind of almost bound to happen. Um, again, have your opinion on whether it should have happened. Have your opinion on what you think actually went down. Do some research. Get your own information. Don't listen to what people are telling you. Don't look at Facebook memes, things like that. That's not news I mean, news isn't even really news lately, but um, there's information out there that you can get and draw your own conclusions. But it all really boils back down to you are the one that is responsible for yourself and your family. Keep that in mind. Remember that they don't really care about you. You are a means to an end for them to continue their wealth and their power. Who's caring about your wealth and your power? Okay? And focus on that. And focus on your neighbor and your family and making sure that they're doing good. And you're lifting them up when you get up to a good spot in life. You're pulling them up behind you. Okay, to make sure that everybody around you is doing good. Um, I'm going to leave you with that thought. Um, again, great week. Love doing this. More to come, guys and girls. You're going to really love the next interviews that we do. And um, I hope the information just keeps coming to you. Uh, and uh, that's about it. But uh, for Bulletproof Veteran Podcast, my name is Jason. And thank you for your service. Thank you.